0: So thankful that you're with us today wherever you are. We're glad that you have uh, chosen to worship with us again. My name is Matt and uh, I'm thankful to be able to have the opportunity to be able to share with you. Uh, over the last several weeks, uh, we have been in this series called Jesus Changes Everything. We hope you've been a part of it with us. If you've missed any of those in the series, any of those sermons, you can always go catch up with those uh, on our website or on our app. We'd love to, for you to uh, to see where we've been over the last few weeks. But I believe everywhere that we've been over the last few weeks uh, really finds its foundation. All those topics we've been talking about uh, with Jesus, Him helping us in our uh, finding hope and overcoming fear and, and all all those things really find their foundation in what we're going to be talking about today. And as today, we're going to be talking about Jesus is truth. Jesus is truth. And so we're going to be unpacking that. So uh, we're going to be in the book of John. So I encourage you to, uh, if you have your Bible there, or your app, ready to open up, go to the book of John. We're going to be skipping around through the book of John uh, throughout our time together here uh, today. Uh, but let's talk about truth for just a second. Because maybe you've heard it said, truth is hard to find. And sometimes it is, especially in our culture today maybe. Uh, it's maybe never more true uh, because of the, just the, how much information there is out there and so much false information is out there. But the fact is we all are searching for truth, right? We, we want to be engaged with others on a level of truth. I don't know if you've watched uh, Jimmy Kimmel, a late night talk show host, when uh, he has brought in children and set up a fake lie detector uh, to uh, ask them questions. questions. Him and uh, the truth fairy uh, question these children as they're hooked up to that fake lie detector. Check this out.
1: This is from a lie detector. Do you know what that is? No. A lie detector is a machine that is able to, to know if you're telling the truth or not, okay? Okay, is that comfortable on your head?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, we're off to a bad start. Just, is that, feels a little uncomfortable, right? Okay. What is your name? Joelle. Okay, Joelle, how old are you?
0: Five and a half.
1: And what grade are you in?
0: Kindergarten.
1: Kindergarten? Do you like all the other kids at school?
0: A few not.
1: A few not. Who do you have a problem with?
0: Um, once I was playing on the playground, this guy was being really mean to me, so I do not like that guy. His name's Riley.
1: Riley, okay, Riley. All right. Anybody else? Um, no. Nobody else? Do you um, secretly love Riley? No. A little bit? Just a little bit. A little bit, okay. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Have you ever killed anyone? No. Okay. Do you think you ever will kill anyone? No. Okay, that's good. Do you know who let the dogs out? Yeah. Who? 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 <laughs>
0: that's weird that it would do that, huh? <laughs> uh, I, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I love that video. Uh, the fact is, we're all seeking after truth. And when it comes to our relationships, we all desire for our relationships to be based on truth. We want to surround ourselves with others who we would consider to be trust worthy right there's a story about Jesus that John shares at Jesus' trial he is in the home of Pilate the Roman leader and there Pilate is questioning Jesus to find the truth he wants to know the truth about Jesus who has been brought to him to be on trial and there in John chapter 18 verse 37 if you'll follow with me it says this then Pilate said to him so you are a king it has been part of the conversation. We're kind of dropping right in the middle of this conversation. So you are king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. There it is. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He says, Pilate, you're looking for truth And that's why I'm here. I have come for the purpose so that everybody, including yourself and the rest of the world, can know the truth, the real truth. And Pilate continues to listen, but I think he totally misses it. Look at verse 38 with me. There where Pilate says this. He just simply says, what is truth? What is truth? I mean, Pilate has truth. standing in front of him, and he's still asking this question, what is truth? And man, what a great question that is for us to be considering today. Who, who is it that makes the call on whether something is true or false? Who gets to say what is right or what is, what is wrong? Is there really anything like uh, absolute truth? That which is true for all times and all places for all people, does that really exist or is everything subjective? And what's good for you may not be good for me or what's true for you may not be true for me. Is that really the way things are? What, What is truth? Have you answered that question in your life? What is your truth? I think, again, it's an important question. It's, a, it's a, maybe the most important question as we wrestle with that. Some would say truth is what works. Others would say truth is what we can experience or what we can observe. The rational thinker would, would say truth is what we can prove by reason. Those who are wrapped up in emotion would say, well, truth is what I, what I feel. But J- Jesus simply says, I am the truth truth is not a theory truth is not a concept uh, to be defined by humans by ourselves truth is god listen the the search for truth begins and ends with god his word his son jesus We want to discover that today. So many in the world, I think, have just kind of thrown their hands up and just said, hey, do whatever uh, you want. Do whatever makes you happy. Do whatever works for you. As long as it doesn't interfere with me, as long as it doesn't hurt me or those I love, do whatever. And we've thrown our hands up. But I would challenge you, don't seek what works. Seek what is true. And that's what we want to do today as we, as we investigate truth, as we begin to unpack this whole idea that Jesus is truth. So what does that mean? What does it mean for Jesus to be truth? I, I think John gives us a little glimpse at that as we look through uh, his, his letter to us. Uh, <laughs> you see a theme of truth over and over again. He talks about truth and, and Christ being being truth, the Apostle John, who was one of Jesus' good friends, uh, he was one of the few apostles, maybe the only one, who grew to be, to an old age. I mean, most of the the apostles, those in the inner circle of Jesus, those who who launched the church, they were martyred for their faith, they were killed for their faith. But that wasn't the case for John. He he went through some hard times, and he was exiled, and he went through some difficulties. But he lived to be old, and it seems like at some point, those who are around him came to him and say, "Hey, you know what? Uh, we know Jesus was supposed to come back, but he." hasn't come back yet because a lot of the people thought that whenever Jesus said he was coming back, he meant like, Tuesday. Uh, but, but here they are. John's now old, and people are coming to him and saying, Hey, we've heard many of these stories that you have shared, many of these stories that are just amazing about Jesus. Why don't you begin to write them down? And that's what John does, and, and that's where we have the Gospel of John. John records so many of these stories about his good friend and Savior, Jesus. And he begins in John chapter 1, verse 1. He says this. He goes all the way back to the beginning, and when he says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So John takes us all the way back. He says, when Jesus came, He was the Word, the Word that made the, of God made manifest here on earth. What, what He said was, were the words of God when He spoke. And he begins to flesh that out in the next few verses about, about Jesus being made flesh go all the way down to verse 14 there in John 1 and it says this and the word became flesh and dwelt among us literally camped out with us pitched his tent with us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and there it is truth full of grace and truth It says Jesus is God in the flesh, and and he was literally filled to the brim with grace and truth. Go to verse 17, just a few down, and he goes on, he says, For the law was given through Moses, and we know what he's talking about there. Whenever Moses came down off the mountain, you've probably seen the movie, when Moses comes down off the mountain holding the tablets, all the thou shalt nots and thou shalt not this and that. Moses brought those, the law, to this world he goes on though grace and truth came through jesus christ when jesus came bringing grace and truth it was a new day And I really hate to to separate these two concepts of grace and truth, because I believe they go hand in hand as we walk through uh, the Scriptures and we walk through the Gospels, we see this tension between grace and truth in Jesus and His interaction with people over and over again. But today, we're going to focus in on that truth and what that means to us. You see, Jesus being the truth carries the idea that He is divinely revealed, he is the divinely revealed truth and representation of God. God is holding nothing back whenever he sends Jesus to show us who he is, the truth. He is being straightforward. He is holding nothing back as he reveals himself through, through his son, Jesus. He's not, he's not a partial representation. He's not a fictional character. He is the truth. When he speaks, he is, it is from God, and what he does is of God. Jesus himself defines truth. If you want to know what truth is, you look at Jesus. He is the truth. We don't get the, the opportunity to make up our own truth. Jesus is the truth. John, just a little bit later, he's telling about another story, another time when the disciples, uh, John and his fellow uh, apostles were, were discouraged, they were scared. They were confused because Jesus has been telling them some kind of crazy things leading up to this text that he's about to share with us. He's told them that one of them is going to betray him. He's he's told them that Peter's going to deny him. And he's also said that he's going to have to lay down his life for this world. And so they're trying to wrap their minds around this, and they are very discouraged and they're very scared. And so Jesus begins to comfort them over in John chapter 14. And in verse 1, he begins by saying this to them, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It's like he's saying, hey, I know times are crazy right now. I know that you're discouraged right now. I know you're confused right now. But don't stop believing in God. and Don't stop believing in me. Just just don't stop believing, all right? That would be a good song, by the way. Don't stop believing, he says. Look at verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. It's like, hey, guys, trust me. This life is not what it's all about. There is is an eternity waiting for you. An eternity that we're going to step into. So don't don't stop trusting me in this. I'm telling you, there's so much more for us ahead. There's a whole new reality, even a greater reality, in my Father's house. An eternal existence. Look at verse 4 and 5. It goes on, he says, And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Some speculate that whenever Jesus began talking about his father's house, that the disciples in their mind started thinking about the temple. And that he's talking about, hey, there's a, there's a temple. In the temple, there's something special. And there's a different way to the temple. And maybe there's a, there's a shortcut to the temple. Or maybe even better yet, there's, a, there's an escape route out of the temple if things go bad. And so there's a lot of speculation about what the disciples were thinking in this moment. And that's why Thomas would ask this question, say, How do we we know the way? How can we know the way, Jesus? In verse 6, a very well known scripture, Jesus says this I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus takes it to a whole nother level. They're they're thinking temple, He's talking eternal. He's trying to bring them onto that level. He's helping them to come out of the discouragement that they find themselves in. For some, this text is a very difficult text. It seems like a very exclusive text, and it is. With all the other religions in the world, Jesus is claiming that He is the only way to God. It is exclusive, but at the same time, Christianity is so inclusive as it is av- available to anyone who will believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish. It's so inclusive at the same time. But Jesus says very clearly, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the the life. If you want to know what real life looks like, look at me. If you want to know what real truth looks like, look at me. If you want to know the way to this eternal life I speak of, look at me and follow me. C.S. Lewis says this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance and if true of infinite importance, the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Jesus says, I am the only way to the Father. And if, if, if Jesus is indeed the only way to the Father, that means that the message of Jesus Christ is the most important message in this world. And it tells us as the church that we have a job to do, and we cannot stop proclaiming the gospel and the good news of Jesus because this world so desperately needs to know who Jesus is and know the way to eternal life through Him. So what happens when a person is faced with the truth of Jesus in their life? Maybe you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, "Well, I can tell you what happens because I've faced it. I've been there, and I have too. And that's where I want us to go today. I want to tell you about what's happened in my life because I've been confronted with the truth of Jesus. And I'll simply say this: because of the truth of Jesus, I follow Him. Because Jesus' is truth, I, I follow him. Everything, every time we are confronted with truth in our life, uh, we, we come to a decision point. We come to a place where we've got to make a decision of, of what we're going to do. Are we going to follow that truth or not? And the same is true with, with Jesus. Every one of us build our life on some kind of Truth. It may be through your heritage, your upbringing, it may be through your educational advancement and your, your investigation that you've come to your own truth that you're going you're to build your life on, but every one of us build our life on some kind of truth. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're proclaiming that you have built your life on the truth of Jesus. And I would, so I would ask you this question, is if you're here and you're watching and you're a follower of Jesus here today, I would say, if you're a follower of Jesus, Why? Why? What's your story? Was it the evidence? Was it the evidence that you discovered that brought you to a place of going, yes, I'm going to follow him? Or was it the the experience in your life that there were circumstances in your life that it just was undoubtedly that God stepped into and spoke into your life and changed you and that, yes, I'm going to follow him? What was it in your life? What was the, the point in your life where you said, I am confronted with the truth of who Jesus is and I'm going to follow him? What's your story? Matter of fact, if you're watching today, maybe you're sitting in, in your home with your family and they have never heard your story. I'd love for you to take some time today. Share your story. Sitting around the table today, share your story. Make sure your kids, your family knows what happened in your life that caused you to become a follower. Jesus. The more I discover about Jesus, the the stronger my faith grows, and I hope that's the same for you. I think that's why the gospel writers uh, recorded so many stories for us, so many uh, instances of of what Jesus did in this world. We look at John, as we're looking at today, this blue-collar fisherman, as he records these stories. You come to the very end of his gospel, and he says this, now there are also many other things that jesus did were every one of them uh, to be written i suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would would be written john wants us to know these stories so that, that we can have a, a certain faith in him he says there's so much more i could have written dr luke a little more white collar kind of a guy physician historian You go to the Gospel of Luke, the very beginning, and here's what he says there. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. Here it is. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, many believe that maybe they were friends, uh, but most excellent Theophilus, that you may, here it is, have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke is saying, Theophilus, I want you to be certain about your faith, so I have investigated all these things. I want to make sure you know without a doubt that this Jesus that you have chosen to follow, he's the real deal. He's the truth. You see, there's a fallacy out there, and many Christians echo this to say, hey, to be a Christian, it requires an amount of blind faith. The gospel writers don't ever say that. Paul never says that. Matter of fact, again, John, he, he seems to be saying, matter of fact, you go to First John where John says, hey, I want you to hear these things so that you know you have eternal life. Luke here says, hey, I have investigated, I've wrote these things down so that you can be certain about your faith in Jesus This book that we have, this Bible that we read and we study, there's so much evidence to support it that we can have confidence in it, and maybe that evidence is what you need to hear about and know about. Maybe it's the evidence of the secular historians like Josephus, who who was a non-believer in that day, in the days of Jesus, but yet here was what he said about Jesus. Now, there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, for he was a doer of wonders. Here's a non-believer... Testing to Jesus being a real person doing wonders in that day. Maybe it's the evidence of archaeology. It doesn't seem like a day goes by that somebody doesn't just take a, a shovel in the dirt in the Middle East and turn something over that proves something else in the Bible. Maybe it's the evidence of prophecy. As we look through God's Word, we look through the, the Old Testament, we see hundreds of prophecies of the, the Messiah that is to come. And, and every one of them are fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And it's a, it's a staggering number of the chances that, that one person could fulfill all those prophecies. Yet, in Jesus, they are fulfilled. Maybe it's the evidence of the text itself, that there are, there are literally thousands of documents, historical documents, to, to support the validity of this historical document that we call the Bible. And we can have a faith in that, that we can read these words and we know that they are the closest thing to the original author's intended meaning. And we can stand firm on God's Word because of that evidence. Maybe it was when you were confronted with that evidence that she said, I, I, I have to believe and follow. But maybe you're here today with us and, and you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've never investigated the evidence. Maybe you've, maybe you've made assumptions that that evidence doesn't exist. Can, can I encourage you? Can I challenge you to, to be intellectually honest with yourself and do some research? Can I point you to a couple of books One being a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. Great book uh, with a great perspective. I encourage you to check that out. A little newer, two other books, Forensic Faith and Cold Case Christianity by a guy by the name of J. Warner Wallace. J. Warner Wallace is a homicide detective in California. And he put his, uh, as a non-believer, put his investigative skills uh, to work on Christianity, and the end result was he became a follower of Jesus. And so he approaches it from that non believing standpoint. I encourage you if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, investigate and study for yourself. But if you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus and you have that story, Are you ready to tell that story to others? If somebody were to ask you why you're a follower, are you ready to give that story like what Peter encourages over in 1 Peter 3.15 when he says, hey, be ready to give an account in season, out of season, whenever if somebody comes to you. Are you ready to give an account of defense for your faith with gentleness as you share with them? Are you ready to tell your story? I follow Jesus because I am convinced that he is the truth. What about you? What about you? Also, because Jesus is truth, not only do I follow him because of that, but also I am changed. Because Jesus is truth, I am changed. I think when we are confronted with with a truth in our life, it changes us. When it's an undeniable truth, it, it, it's like, you know, uh, little boys, when they discover that girls don't really have cooties, <laughs> you know, they quit throwing rocks to keep them away and they start throwing rocks to get their attention, right? They've been confronted with the truth. Or maybe it's whenever the doctor sits down with you and says, hey, I've got some news and let me tell you about your heart and you're going to have to make some changes to your diet. You're going to have to make some changes to your exercise regimen and, and change Happens when we're confronted with that truth in our life. Well, at least until we decide ice cream, ice cream is worth it. Listen, Satan is our enemy. And he is out to wreak havoc in our life. The Bible says that he has come to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he he wants to come into our lives and, and wreak havoc in our lives. And in many ways he does. And we can find ourselves shackled into, shackled to sin in our life because we've we fall into Satan's ploys, being more and more conformed to this world. But Jesus changes everything. He came to set us free from the sin of this world, so that we can walk in His ways. And so when we become followers of him, we embark on a journey where we're continually being changed into, into his likeness. In John 8, John records a conversation between Jesus and some of the Jews that Jews that actually believed in him. And so it says there in, in John chapter 8, verse 31-32, it says there, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Again, Jesus is talking to Jews that believe him, and he begins, he's talking to them about this discipling journey. Yes, it's one thing to believe me in the words I've said so far, but it ought to be changing your life. But they weren't ready to listen. Look at verse 33. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham... We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? I have to wonder if Jesus chuckles at this moment. (laughs) You're Jews, you're Israelites. When you came on the scene, you were in slavery in Egypt, and then you became slaves to the Assyrians, and then slaves to the Babylonians, and now you're under the oppression of the Romans. What do you mean you've never been slaves? Jesus goes on, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, said, "Listen, I'm telling you the truth, listen to me. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son, capital S, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Listen, through Jesus, we're not just Slave set free, we are made sons. We're made sons in, in our freedom in Him, what Christ has accomplished in our life. Jesus, again, He's, he's talking about their spiritual slavery. In their arrogance, they don't, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that they are slaves to sin. They even, if you keep on going in the text, they resort to name-calling in just a few verses, one thing I, I love about being a follower of Jesus is that I can be real. They were they were struggling with being real. They didn't want to admit their sin problem. As a follower of Jesus, I can be real and I can say, "Yeah, I messed up. Yeah, I still struggle with sin in my life." But Jesus, my Savior. Paid the price so that I can be set free. Set free from all of my sin, shame, and guilt. In Jesus, we are set free. We're set free from sin and death. We're set free from a life without purpose. We're set free from a life of weakness. We're set free from addiction. We're set free from a life of hopelessness. All these things and others we are set free from in Jesus. Let me ask you, Do you need to be set free today. Are you shackled to any of these things in your life? Listen, Jesus wants to set you free. Jesus hasn't set us free just to go and do whatever we want. He has set us free to live a life according to his desire, what he desires for us. And so when we become followers of Jesus and we're confronted with the truth of who he is, our life is not just a one-time I'm changed, but now we begin a journey of change as the Holy Spirit in us begins to work His work of transformation making us more and more like Jesus. Let me tell you, one of the things I love most about uh, being in ministry is watching a new believer who comes to to Christ. They're confronted with the, the truth of who Jesus is. They give their life to Christ, baptized into Him, and they begin this journey. And watching the transformation that happens in their life. I love it. And maybe you can attest to that experience in your own life. Listen, following Jesus brings about a radical change in our heart and in our life as we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Sinful habits drop off, new desires are replaced with, uh, new desires replace our old ones, and the Holy Spirit continues to do His work to bring about His change. And as His followers, as Jesus' truth is more and more revealed to us, it begins to not only be revealed to us, but it begins to be revealed through us as we begin to live out our life for Jesus. Because Jesus' truth, I follow him. And I hope you do too. Because Jesus' truth, I am changed and I am continuing to be changed into his likeness. He's not done with me yet. So let me ask you this. What truth are you standing on today? Are you standing on your own truth? Standing on something that just works for you? Are you standing on the truth of Jesus? What are you you shackled to today that you need to be set free from, that you need to begin to to allow the Holy Spirit of God work in you and transform you and release you in this life? What, What do you need to be set free from today? Jesus wants to set you free. The search for truth begins with God, His Word, His Son, Jesus. Jesus is truth. Keep searching. Keep following. Keep changing. And if you need to surrender your life to him today, I hope that you'll do just that. Follow Jesus. Let me pray. Father in heaven, God, we love you. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in your plan, that you sent him, you you came in him to reveal yourself to us so clearly, so plainly. So God, as we're confronted with the truth of Jesus, God, may, may it just lead us to follow you. May it lead us to live a life that honors you, that is more and more transformed into your likeness. God, I pray for each person who is watching today, listening today. God, may you work in their life. May they recognize your truth, and may they build their life upon your unshakable truth. God, we love you and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.